Uh, it's springtime in Chicago. And Deborah, do you know what that means? What does it mean? The green people are coming. The green people. I thought I was the only one that said that. <laughs> I actually learned that from you. <laughs> they are. They're green. They're people. Yeah. So for any of you who are international listeners or perhaps folks who are outside the Chicago area, if you don't know, Chicagoans love St. Patrick's Day. And it got me thinking about it because March 13th is right around the corner. And that is official Die the River Green Day. There won't be a parade this year. There's usually a couple different St. Patrick's Day festivities that go on in and around Chicago due to COVID concerns, but they will still be carrying on the tradition of dyeing the Chicago River electric bright green. So with St. Patrick's Day right around the corner, it really got me thinking about the phenomenon of the green river. Like when when did that actually start? So I'm curious, do you have any guesses? Before I tell you what the answer is. Yeah, the, I, I could only guess. I mean, my guess was sometime in the 60s, but it's just, I don't really even know why I think that. It's just kind of an instinct. Half of my guesses are just instincts, and most of the time I'm right. <laughs> All right, so Deborah, are you ready to learn more about the history of the Green Chicago River? I am. Let me pour myself a pint of something. Top of the morning to you. And the rest of the day to you, too. I'm Rachel. I'm Deborah. And this is Very Vintage. We should have a bagpipe version of our of our theme music for this episode. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Anyone out there, if you are a bagpiper, in fact, a really good friend of mine, he had a roommate who played the bagpipes, and so he was always getting hired to do things, and like for St. Patrick's Day or, or you know, um, other parades, funerals, things like that. So they're always hiring this because he's a young guy who was a bagpiper, which is, it's not an art that many younger people pick up, and this was in our 20s. And there would be times where we would go back to my friend's house and this roommate would be just passed out with his kilt like down to his ankles, like laying on the living room floor because people see a guy in a kilt with some bagpipes and they want to buy him a beer. Yeah, they do. Because they want to talk about whether he's wearing underwear or not. Um, You know, I feel like it was a mix based on the number of times I saw this guy passed out in his kilt. <laughs> so the lack of parades, no huge loss to me. I'm a bit of a Grinch for all seasons, if you will. I, I like the idea of togetherness with holidays, but I absolutely hate crowds and I do not like parades. <laughs> so, but my question is, are they going to let people drink though? I mean, I don't think you can stop people from drinking. No, I mean like, are the bars going to be open? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, things are definitely changing rapidly around here with, with how many people are allowed in places. I know I will be sitting my little green booty home. Interesting. Deborah, when you lived in Chicago, did you ever go to the parade? I never did. Do you know why? Uh, no, but I just see you wearing this beautiful green fascinator. You never went? Uh, no, nor do I have a green fascinator. What? Because I'm, I'm actually Scottish, by the way. But and, So that would be like a no-no. But um, no, I because for many, many, many Saturdays, because the parade's always on a Saturday, I worked so many years at Ultimate Bride, and Saturday was our biggest day. So I would just see the green people... At as I was, you know, coming into work. So like literally like the people that would be like dressed like head to toe green, like sometimes green body paint and just like ready to drink eight o'clock in the morning, like full like girls, full makeup, right? Mm -hmm. Like ready to go, <laughs> ready to like make a menace of themselves. And then by like 5 p.m., you've got the crying girls in the corner. And I mean, I'm sure there are crying people of all all gender identities, <laughs> but it, it gets messy fast, really fast. So though I've never been to a parade myself one of my fascinators made it oh actually in the parade like uh, one of my cousins a couple years ago asked me if I could make her 
green, orange, and white, you know, the, the you know, Irish colors, mm-hmm. if I could make a fascinator out of those colors, because she was going to be in the parade, basically on like an alderman's float. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, it actually turned out really cute. You have to understand, she's not someone who normally would wear a hat or a fascinator, but she wore it and she was like so delighted. She literally said she felt like the Queen of England, like she felt like a celebrity wearing it. Wait, but don't tell, don't tell Irish people that you feel like the Queen of England. No, precisely. Precisely. Okay, so like if there's somewhere I could take that back. But anyway, uh, well, she felt like a celebrity. But it's funny because now she's like moderately obsessed with, with wearing fascinators because of that one day. So like mm. I totally turned someone who went from like, you know, a non-believer to uh, being a believer. Love that. So with that, today on Very Vintage, we are going to dive deep into the tradition of why the Chicago River turns green on St. Patrick's Day. Um, I really want to say this in an Irish accent, but I can't do accents. Deborah, can you do accents? <laughs> I can try. <laughs> okay. It's like I have my days. Sometimes I can do it. Sometimes I can't. I was trying to make it fit this because like, you, where did you read this? Was it in a, was it a newspaper article? Uh, yeah, I, I looked at a lot of newspaper articles and things like that, yeah. <clears throat> Wait till I tell you what I read in the paper. I never heard the like of it in my life. That's actually really good. Can you do a Scottish accent? All right, that's way harder. It oh is. my god. This looks so much with the R's. Um I don't know if I could say the same thing. No, just try <laughs> whatever you can say. <laughs> Uh, have you ever seen the the Mike Myers Saturday Night Live skit from back in the nineties? <sighs> Which uh, one? It's like a Scottish store called All Things Scottish. No, I don't think I remember that one. So like people like the customers walk in and like the bagpipes are playing as like the doorbell, <laughs> and then it just like suddenly dies. Like he's all like all fine and well if they're asking for something Scottish, mm-hmm. but like the minute they ask for something Irish, he gets like absolutely irate in a Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, basically, the motto of the the store is, is if if it's not Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> but he's like like venomous about it. And so then the clients that don't know the difference, they're like, oh, Irish, Scottish, it's all the same. And he's like, it's not the same. And he's like kicking them out, like but with like high passion. It's so funny. I highly recommend it. It like it doesn't get it doesn't get old ever. Golden age of SNL. Yes, that's my favorite. Here's a fun fact, Deborah. Did you know that St. Patrick wasn't even Irish? No. He was Italian, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually not that far off. So I read an article on the Smithsonian Magazine's website that was all about St. Patrick and the holiday that he inspired. And despite his association with Ireland, Patrick was originally Roman. So his family were Romans. So you're, you're pretty close there. And they ended up in Britain during the 5th century. And then as a teenager, Patrick was kidnapped by Irish raiders and sold into slavery on Ireland. Hmm. Yeah. Fast forwarding many, many years, St. Patrick's Day grew in popularity around America. And each city really started developing its own special tradition. So this was mostly after World War II. Uh, at this point, the big waves of immigration had kind of died down in America, and there were big Irish populations in many major cities. When it came to cities with their Irish heritage and Irish desire to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, they were constantly trying to one-up each other. And when it comes to the iconic green Chicago River, it turns out that Chicago wasn't actually the first to give it a go by dyeing their waterway. Who was the first? Our instincts were correct. Chicago started officially dyeing the river green in 1962 Hmm. because in the previous year, that same stunt 
of the Green Waterway was attempted in Savannah, Georgia. You said attempted. It didn't work? No, it didn't work. So it ultimately failed because they had fast-moving tides in the in the water area that they were trying to dye green. Oh, just evaporated. Yeah, it just got pulled right out to sea. But word traveled really quickly, and Chicago Mayor Richard J. Daley caught wind of the attempt, uh, and he was a big St. Patrick's Day fan. And he wanted to put Chicago on the map by finding a way to pull off a green waterway stunt. And originally, he wanted to go big, really, really big. And so he said, all right, people, we're turning Lake Michigan green for St. Patrick's Day. Prior to the podcast, I probably should have looked up like how many gallons of water are in Lake Michigan, but it is absolutely massive. <laughs> Right. It proved to be impossible due to safety and efficiency. They were really at a loss. Mayor Daley and all the people around him were trying to figure out in that year of 1961 leading up to St. Patrick's Day in 62, what to do to pull off some really big, impressive St. Patrick's Day related stunt. And according to the Chicago Tribune, the business manager of the Chicago Plumbers Union, a guy named Stephen M. Bailey, came up with the idea of dyeing the Chicago River instead of Lake Michigan. Genius. I know. So I found a blog on chicagolinecruises.com. Uh, if, if you're familiar with them, they like do the water taxis and the, yeah, mm-hmm. the river cruises. Have you ever done one of those architectural boat tours? I have. It's great. Yeah, they're really fun. I feel like that's that's like a classic. Like you got friends coming into town, you take them on the architectural boat tour. It's a little something for everybody. Yeah, you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Bailey got an idea when he saw a plumber who was wearing his white plumber's coveralls, and they were stained with what he later called Irish green from a dye that was used in the Chicago River. So in 1961, water pollution controls were finally starting to get enforced in Chicago, and what Stephen Bailey saw was that plumber trying to locate a burst pipe that was dumping waste into the river. So in order to find the waste in question, there was a special substance called fluorescein dye. And fluorescein in its original state is this reddish-orange powder. It's dry powder. But when it makes contact with water, it turns bright green. And that brightness is further enhanced by sunlight. So at the time, fluorescein was being used to detect leaks or pollution in the river. And so it was dumped into the waste systems to discover which pipe was uh, burst or, or leaking unintended waste into the place where there's not supposed to be waste in the Chicago River. When Stephen saw those white coveralls splash with the Irish green runoff from the wet fluorescein, he thought it could serve a more festive purpose and fulfill the request of Mayor Daly to have an ostentatious show of Chicago's Irish pride. That's so clever, though, that he kind of put that together. Must have been one of those just aha moments walking mm-hmm. down. I just imagine him kind of like walking down Wacker Drive and crossing paths with this plumber all splashed up with with the green uh, fluorescein that had gotten wet. So interesting. Stephen Bailey realized that it was a simple enough idea that it just might work. So he made a few phone calls. And during those phone calls, it was funny, he actually had to convince politicians and engineers that he was, in fact, serious and not joking about his plans to (laughs) dye the entire river green on St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Fast forwarding to the big event... Who actually does the dying? And the very interesting thing about the dying that's been happening for over half a century at this point is that it traces back to one guy. In 2019, our local Fox station, Fox 8 in Chicago, put out an article and they interviewed a guy named Tom Rowan. And he does the same thing every Saturday before St. Patrick's Day that he's done for the last 56 years. 
he makes the Chicago River run green. That's crazy. Rowan is a 75-year-old retired police officer, and he's the man behind the famous Chicago ritual. The St. Patrick's Day Parade is world-renowned primarily because of this unique tradition of having a bright, bright green river. Rowan goes on to say in this article by Fox 8, that the original mayor Daly in the 50s wanted to do something really special and he wanted to dye that whole Lake Michigan. So he's recounting that story. But ultimately, um, what they decided to do was it goes back to Stephen Bailey. So Stephen Bailey makes up 100 pounds of this dye to dye the river. They put it in speedboats and they started spreading it out. And it turned out that that was a little too much dye because the river stayed green for an entire week that first year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So in those intervening years, the weight and substance of the recipe got perfected. And it, it today, even though it's a completely different kind of dye, it ends up being about 40 pounds each year. That's so interesting. I didn't realize that they like had to go spray it. I, I don't know. For some reason, I thought maybe they just pumped it in one location, but they... They have, like, is it like several boats that are doing it? or Yeah, yeah. So Rowan's father, Tom Sr., because if you do the math on that, uh, that makes Tom Rowan quite young when he started this. So Tom Rowan Sr. worked on the police marine unit and was in charge of the department's patrol boats. And so Daly gave Tom Sr. and his colleague Michael Butler the responsibility of dropping the dye that Stephen Bailey had figured out was going to dye the river green into the river. They decided, uh, Tom Sr., Rowan, and Michael Butler decided to get their teenage sons, Tom Jr., who still does it to this day, uh, along to help with the tradition that they were just starting then. So since 1962, the crew that dies the river has been exclusively those two families, the Rowans and the Butlers. That is unbelievable. That's so Chicago, too. Right. Tom Jr. leads a crew of six people across two boats and they are manned by their grandsons. That family tradition continues. There's this gentleman, Jack Lavin, who's the president of Chicago's Chamber of Commerce. And he told CNN back in 2019 that the Rowans and the Butlers represent Chicago's emphasis on family. They've passed this tradition down through the generations. It's like more people should be talking about this. I'm so glad that you thought of this because this is really interesting. And I didn't know that. And I've lived in Chicago most of my life. Right. It's just something I kind of took for granted. I'm like, oh, Oh, well, you, you know, you would go uh, like I would never go down on River Dying Day, but you would see them if you were, um, you know, just happened to be downtown kind of getting everything started or maybe it would linger Sunday, Monday. And uh, I would I would see the aftermath and I just never really knew. So the dye recipe that they use today is a really closely guarded secret and people call it leprechaun dust. <laughs> the original dye, that fluorescein dye, has a really interesting history of its own. It was first synthesized in 1871, which is another uh, very pivotal year in Chicago history, uh, the Chicago fire. But we'll save that for another podcast. Far away, somewhere else, this dye was being synthesized by a Nobel Prize winning chemist named Adolf von Bayer, who also, fun fact, created synthetic indigo. So you can thank him if you're wearing a pair of jeans. Mm. Um, so this is all from the Smithsonian.com magazine article that I found. And so fluorescein is that synthetic compound that goes from orangish red to green when it's mixed with the water. Although it was initially deemed safe for the river, over the years, concerned environmentalists 
in and around Chicago have petitioned the local government to a more natural replacement for fluorescein. And so in 1966, uh, the EPA stepped in and decided that fluorescein could no longer be used for the purpose of dyeing mass waterways green. <laughs> it had to go back to its purposes of detecting leaks. That's pretty early on, right? Yeah, yeah. It was interesting to see the EPA step in so quickly. Yeah, that's cool, though. Uh, I, I went to Wikipedia to look this up, uh, and I found that uh, now the parade committee has switched to a mix that involves 40 pounds of powdered vegetable dye. Oh, okay. We could all sleep now at night knowing that it's safe. <laughs> right. However, even though some environmental strides have been made, there are still many groups throughout Chicago, especially an organization called the Friends of the Chicago River, that have an objection to the green dye going on. And the reason being is that it creates this <sighs> attitude that the river is lifeless and dead and can just be kind of mucked about with. Mm. Even though, especially in recent years, organizations like Friends of the Chicago River and many others have done amazing work to bring back plants and other wildlife to the river. So it, it's quite a thriving ecosystem now. So there are some serious concerns about this dying process. So, I mean, what does it say? Does it affect the creatures that live in there? You know, the jury is still out. It's way better than the fluorescein, but I'll get to that in just a moment. Okay. So what is the current dye made of? Well, Tom Rowan Jr. said it's like the Coca-Cola recipe. They'll never tell. It's a top secret recipe. In fact, that family can't like all travel together on an airplane. They have to take two different planes. <laughs> exactly. So the dyeing process itself takes two boats uh, and one boat does the dyeing, so throws out the dye. And then the other boat will do the mixing because you have to churn the water up to really get it going. And they call that second boat the mix master. Hmm. Yeah. So they give the river a big dose and then they go back and they see if they missed any spots. It kind of makes me think about like when I used to dye my hair at home. <laughs> <laughs> and those messes have changed and evolved over the years. But Rowan says that uh, one year his father tried to use huge fire extinguishers to mix the dye up. Um, which went just about as well as you think it would. They ended up with uh, orange dye all over the buildings and on people. But Rowan recounted that not one complaint got filed that day. Huh. At this point, the river only stays green for a few hours with the, the new mix. And so Tom Rowan has only broken from the tradition one time when he dyed the river another color. Do you know what color that was? It would be cubby blue. And do you want to tell our listeners why? To celebrate the Chicago Cubs becoming world champions in 2016. Yeah, exactly. So the Cubs, uh, one of our local baseball teams here, once again, we got a couple international listeners. Uh, they broke a hundred plus year curse, right? I'm not I'm not a huge sports fan. So Deborah, you might have to fill in some blanks here. It was 108 years. 108-year curse in 2016, winning the World Series. And Rowan got brought out to dye the river a brilliant blue in their honor. It was love. It was magnificent. Yeah. Rowan also went on to say that after 54 years, this was in 2019, he has no intention of retiring from dye duty. But he did note that he is one of nine Rowan children, so there will always be someone to fill the boat. Wow. That's too cool. Picture those, like, the young one, like, when they're young, they're like, think of all the chicks they get, right? They're like, yeah, <laughs> I'd rather river green. Like, no biggie. Yeah. I wonder how, like, if their hands are all, like, orange and green for days after that. <laughs> I wonder. So the services of the Rowan family go far and wide, not just in Chicago. They've been requested as far as France and Dublin to color their rivers. However, uh, Dublin 
the river was so dirty that the impact of the dye couldn't really be seen. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going back to the original impetus of this, the city of Savannah failing in 1961, um, it has inspired copycats like Chicago, even though I bet a bunch of Chicagoans don't like their river tradition being called a copycat. But we also see similar phenomenon. Phenomena? We also see similar instances of dyed rivers in Tampa. They use 250 pounds of an orange powder uh, to dye their rivers for holidays and things like that. And it lasts about five hours due to the tidal impact in the area. Indianapolis uses a concentrated liquid dye to color a downtown canal, and they started this tradition in 1996. Because of the nature of that canal, the dye lasts about two to four days. And in 2009, former First Lady Michelle Obama, because she is a Chicago native, requested that the White House fountains be dyed green in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Mm, That's cool. Yeah. Where does this leave us now? Because that last article was from 2019, and a lot of the stuff I found was from pre-pandemic. Well, in 2020, uh, I found a Patch.com article that the not only were the parades canceled last year, I honestly, my brain was just somewhere else this time last year. I don't blame you. I, I didn't even know that in 2020, the Plumbers Union Local 130, so the, the folks who have been dying the river all these years, they decided ultimately not to dye the river green for, for the first time in many, many years, concerns about the new coronavirus. And I mean, remember your mindset back that mid-March, we were still kind of figuring out what, what it all meant. I know a lot of people wanted to be rebellious and still you know went downtown and all that. Um, our current mayor, Lori Lightfoot, tweeted that St. Patrick's Day weekend events were all postponed and uh, no makeup days were given. But what was kind of fascinating was that a 2020 article from WTTW, another one of our local news stations, had uh, quite an interesting turn of events. So I'm just going to read their opening to this article. When Chicago pulled the plug on its official St. Patrick's Day festivities over concerns about the spread of the coronavirus, the beloved tradition of dyeing the Chicago River green dating back to 1962 was among the casualties. Or was it? Interestingly enough, the north branch area of the waterway, so uh, if you're familiar, it's like upstream from the river's junction, kind of where the North Shore Channel is by Albany Park. Mm -hmm. It's surprisingly that Saturday morning flowed a distinctive color of green. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So people, some people were delighted by this St. Patrick's Day surprise, uh, but who and how that all happened to this day has never been solved. So a year later. So someone snuck out at midnight and <laughs> pumped it like maybe 10 pounds worth. You know, you could think it was some leprechauns, but most people's theories think it was rogue plumbers from the union or, or other plumbers who have access to this chemical. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But you hadn't I didn't I didn't hear about that. You hadn't heard about it either. I didn't hear about it. Where where was my mind then? Um so yeah. uh, not everybody was amused by this prank. Uh, there's a woman named Margaret Frisbee and she's the current executive director of that organization I mentioned, the Friends of the Chicago River, and she really took this moment to say, "You know what? It's time to retire this tradition." The river's a natural resource. There are living creatures. There are lots of ecosystems and plants. And it's not our plaything, right? As as humans, it's not our thing to be mucking up once a year. The Friends of the Chicago River in previous years had made comments and things like that, but they never come out quite as strongly as they did in 2020. And I think it was sort of the unsanctioned nature of that die job that really was the spark for, for her and her organization saying, you know what, enough is enough. And part of the reason why... 
they really want to put their foot down is that there's these misconceptions and the Chicago River, as because you know you spent almost your whole life in Chicago, it's it's got some reputations for being kind of gross, kind of dirty, not a lot going on there. Like there wasn't there an old rumor that you used to be able to set it on fire at some point. Oh, I never heard that one. I'll have to I'll have to look into it. But yeah, it's just never been known. I mean. Yeah, the Chicago River. Like, I, I used to see people kayaking in it when I first moved to Chicago, like, 10, 11 years ago. And I was like, gross, what are you doing in there? Because I grew up near Chicago, and I was always told the river was gross. But what I didn't realize is all the work that's be do- been done, uh, conservation work, as well as work to rebuild the ecosystem. And Friends of the Chicago River really feels like this electric green moment undermines all the good work that's being done. Even if it doesn't hurt the plants and animals, it's still makes people feel like there's something toxic about it, right? And so she she said that even though the dye is considered, quote, vegetable-based and all natural, there are lots of natural things that are not good for you or not good for the planet, right? Think about, like, different poisons and things that are all natural. But I did like this, though, is that Margaret Frisbee said that she isn't against celebrating St. Patrick's Day but would like to find a way that really respects the ecosystem a bit more. And she gave a really cool suggestion that um, instead of dyeing the river green, perhaps we should float giant shamrock-shaped ice cubes down the river. Can those be green? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I, yeah, it's. I was like, oh, that would be really pretty. I'd like that. So what's going to happen? Well, you know, this article wraps up in 2020, almost exactly a year ago, and it ends by saying, come 2021, we expect most Chicagoans will be thrilled to celebrate any which way that doesn't involve social distancing. This aged poorly. Yeah, it did. Now, a year later, we're still kind of dealing with all of this. Um, and, and as of right now, it looks like the dying of the river in its traditional sense with those 40 pounds of vegetable-based dye is still moving ahead as planned. So I do hope over time that uh, Friends of the Chicago River, as well as the St. Patrick's Day Committee, can find some sort of balance that really works for everyone. But this is one of those examples where I, I'm really happy that I live now. Like, I know you and I love vintage. Like, I just imagine, imagine 1961 style. Like, what do you think people were wearing at that first green dye Chicago River St. Patrick's Day parade? The ladies still might have been wearing hats, pillboxes. Oh, and little white gloves. Mm-hmm. What would you have worn? Well, probably a jacket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Mar- March in Chicago is still a little chilly. It's funny. Like you wanted to, like by March, you wanted to be warm, but it never is. No. The green people just would wear their green t-shirts, but they're like oftentimes didn't have jackets, and you know they're freezing their asses off. A little liquid coat, a little liquid courage to to warm them up. Totally. I probably would have worn a cute saddle shoe. You know, something sensible for all the walking, and then. A green hat and maybe a green bag. I love that you've like thought this out. <laughs> you know, I got an opportunity to go to Israel a few years ago, and I planned all my outfits based on Jackie O in Tel Aviv, 1969. Hilarious. So yeah, once again, this is one of those instances where, as much as I love to think about the sea of pillbox hats and and uh, you know people dressed up a little bit more than they would be now, I am really grateful that we live in uh, an era where we have organizations like Friends of the Chicago River who are thinking about the long-term impacts of what does all this die do to the river? They'll come up with something, I'm sure. But here's the reality of it. It's like if you look at the Chicago River, even like any other 
time during the year, it's like pretty green to begin mm-hmm. with, you know? So it's okay. Like if they do do away with it at some point, it's the, it's, we can live with the fact that it's pretty green. It's like a mucky green, but green all the same. Well, good. Well, Deborah, when uh, you aren't busy wondering why you don't have a green fascinator in your collection, <laughs> where can we find you? You could find me at millinaryetc.com, which is my website, and millinaryetc on Facebook, and Deborah Shirley 1111 on Instagram. And you can also find me answering your questions and DMs on our Very Vintage Podcast Instagram, which is at Very Vintage Podcast. And we've got more episodes and more fun on our website, VeryVintagePodcast.com. If you like what you heard and you'd like more, please rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. Thanks for listening. Toodaloo.